Hey everyone, you're listening to an Acts Church sermon. If you have not heard of us before, you can check us out at www.axcamus.org or come check us out on a Sunday. All right, here is the sermon. We hope God blesses you through it. So, the prophets of the Old Testament, from Abel to Zechariah, John the Baptist, Paul, Peter, Stephen, Silas, James, uh, a Christian woman named Perpetua, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Catherine of Alexandria, Magdalene of Nagasaki, and countless, countless others. It would take me all day to, to name them all off to you. And what all these people have in common is that they have been persecuted. They were persecuted for being followers of Christ. And often many of them were murdered, were killed for being followers of Christ. And of course, the one they follow the one that they were disciples of, Jesus Christ, was persecuted and died on a Roman cross for us. And persecution has not stopped to this day. According to a a ministry called Open Doors, uh, they have a website, opendoors.org, in the past year, there were over 245 million Christians living in places where they experienced high levels of persecution. There were 4,305 Christians killed for their faith in the past year. Not Christians who died, Christians who were killed for their faith in the past year. 1,847 churches and other Christian buildings have been attacked in the past year. 3,150 believers were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned for their faith. And persecution will not stop until Jesus Christ returns. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, right? We've been in a series called Right Side Up. And the reason we did this series and called it Right Side Up is because it's about Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew. It's found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. It's a lot of the, a lot of the more famous teachings of Jesus are, are in that section. But what it is is Jesus telling us what kingdom life looks like. And what we find as we, as we study it, as we learn from it, is that kingdom life is, is the opposite of the culture and the world and the life that, that we're sort of told is what we should live. And, and so what we find is that the world is upside down and Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is taking it and saying, this is what it looks like to be right side up. And so many of the things that we read are, are sort of counterintuitive. We've been going through a section, that the first part of it is what they call the Beatitudes. And it's just a bunch of blessings that, that God, that Jesus is giving. Blessed, blessed, you've probably heard a lot of these. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the, those who mourn. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those, uh, the peacemakers, right? The pure in heart. And we're going to get to the last one today um, that's in that section. And it is, it is not a particularly fun one. For most people. So let's open our Bibles. If you have your Bible, if not, you can get it on your phone or it'll be up here on this big screen if you can see that. Um, and hopefully you can. Uh, we are in Matthew chapter 5 and we are going to start with verse 10 and read through verse 12. It says this Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you. And persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this about Jesus, but he's not um, a guy who sells a lot of cheap comfort. He's not a person who tries to make things sound really easy. 
He's, he's no liar. He just kind of tells the truth. Uh, people do like rewards. And he tells us, hey, you're going to have great rewards in heaven. And that's great. People like that. But the evidence would say that people uh, have a very difficult time thinking about rewards that are very far away in the future. Right? They like rewards, but they like rewards now. People invest in, in all kinds of things um, and, and uh, you know, put their money into stuff hoping to get a return. But very few of those things are people willing to wait very long for. So about 52% of Americans, according to the internet, which is always true, is always right, right? According to the internet, about 52% of people in the United States own some amount of stock. And it used to be that you would buy stock, and the, and the idea was a long-term hold. You hold it for a really long time and hope that like, when you retired, you would sell that stock and there'd be an investment. But the fact is, is that the average time that a person like you or me would hold a particular stock now is 45 days. That's how long people hold stock because they're looking for rewards much quicker than maybe they used to. We don't like to wait a long time for rewards. If you want to go kind of the extreme side, you know, 52% of people own stock, but 64% of people gambled in the year 2015, okay? Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of people who were looking for kind of a really quick return, right? These are, these are kind of an indicator of how long we want to wait for rewards, right? A, a, a share of stock might cost anything from, from a few pennies to hundreds of dollars, right? Um, if, you, if you own Berkshire Hathaway stock, that's Warren Buffett stock, um, that's currently trading at $311,450 per share. So I only have four shares of that. <laughs> um. Oh, you don't believe that? Okay. I, yeah. No shares. Not even a part of a share. Um, if you, if you buy stock, you're probably going to spend a few pennies to a, to a few hundred bucks. If you go gambling and buy a lottery ticket, it might be a couple bucks. Blackjack hand might be a few bucks, right? And the time that you're waiting for either of those things to produce their reward, about 45 days is the average for stock and, and seconds to a couple days for most gambling uh, type stuff. So what we want as people is we want rewards that come quickly and that don't cost very much. Right? That's what people want. We want, to, we want to pay very little and see a return in a very short time. That's how we as humans sort of operate. But here Jesus is telling us that we've got to pay this extremely high price persecution for eternal rewards. Right? Great is your reward in heaven. Right? Now, as, as we understand that, that's, that doesn't mean that not until you die and get to heaven will you experience that reward. You experience the, the life of the kingdom of God now. But He's saying, look, there's this long-term eternal reward. Now, for some of you who, who don't like to wait long for stock, I can see by some of the grayer heads, you may not have that long to wait for these eternal rewards. But you're going to get that in a second and feel bad. Um, but for most of us, we've got a long time maybe to wait, or it feels like it's going to be a long time to wait. Um, but he says the rewards are great in heaven. But for most of us, Honestly, the idea of feeling like we're blessed or we have a blessing because we're persecuted, that's a tough pill to swallow. It's a tough pill to swallow. I don't know if you've ever watched the movie Rocky, but in Rocky, he gets this cup out of the, he wakes up, he gets this cup out of the um, refrigerator and he, he cracks like five eggs into it, right? And then he sucks those eggs down. I don't know if you've ever tried that, to, to, to swallow eggs like that, but if you have not vomited recently... And you're wondering what all the hubbub is about with vomiting. I, I got a great way for you to do it. Try to choke <coughs> down an egg. I mean, the taste, the texture, everything about it just says, 
what was Rocky thinking, right? Um, terrible thing. But, but there are some things that are hard to swallow. And I think for a lot of people, it's hard to swallow when Jesus comes in and says, you're blessed if you're persecuted. You're blessed if you're persecuted. You should rejoice, right? You should have this great joy over these heavenly rewards. And unless you believe in Jesus Christ, the one who rose from the dead, and you believe that there is an eternity and that you're an eternal person, and you believe that there are heavenly rewards, you're probably not going to buy into this. You're probably not going to buy into this. But for the believer, for the Christ follower, we have to have an eternal perspective. We have to have an eternal perspective. Eternal perspective is essential in dealing with any difficulty, whether it's persecution, whether we lose a loved one, whether we're sick, whether we're having financial difficulties, whatever it is. If we don't have an eternal perspective... We're just not going to be able to, to handle the difficulties that come in life as believers, right? We have to have that perspective that says all things are going to work out. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, if we understand and believe that, then we can rejoice and be exceedingly glad when we go through persecution or suffering or difficulties because we have an eternal view, right? The, the fact that we have to suffer some things now is not as big of a deal if we understand the, etern- the, the eternal rewards that we have coming. It's not nearly as difficult. A lot of people will uh, like lift weights or, or do sit-ups or, or some people I have heard will even run when no one is chasing them, right? No one. There's no one behind them. There's not an ice cream truck to catch up with. Nothing. They just go out of their house and run and come back to their house, right? That happens, okay? I know that's crazy. I'd rather eat the raw eggs myself. But they do these things for the very temporary rewards they get to their health. And trust me when I tell you, Those rewards are very temporary. I have lifted enough weights, run enough miles, and choked down enough protein shakes to tell you, and I've been in great shape in the past, and this is what I look like now. So (laughs) let me just tell you the rewards are temporary, and some of the younger people are very depressed now. I mean, this never stops. They're going to keep making me run. Don't do it. It's not fun. We will go through all kinds of, of temporary Uh, pain for temporary rewards, but Jesus is calling us to face persecution for eternal rewards, for eternal rewards. And here's the thing about eternal rewards. They will not be taken away because they are eternal rewards. They're not temporary. They don't have an expiration date. When you die, they don't go away. Okay, when you get old, you're probably not going to be in amazing shape and have a six-pack and, and all the rest of that stuff, right? Unless you're Larry. Is Larry here? I don't know. He was probably in the first service. You're probably not going to look amazing when you're super old, right? Uh, someday you're going to die, and whatever stock you bought and whatever rewards you got from that is going to be spent by your snot-nosed kids who don't know what to do with money, and they probably already live in your house in your basement. Anyway, not that exciting, right? But eternal rewards are eternal, They're eternal, so you can rejoice and be exceedingly glad when you have eternal rewards. Now, the first uh, and the last of the Beatitudes have the same promise with them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That is an incredible 
an incredible reward, an incredible thing to think about. It's amazing what a reward that we would have the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's what Jesus is saying is he's saying, look, and, he, and I think he closes the Beatitudes, opens and closes them with this bookend for a reason. If you will live like this, the things we've been studying for the last weeks, if you will live like this, you will be living like the kingdom, and your reward will be the kingdom. You will be blessed with the kingdom of God right now, not just in the future sometime. You're living as a kingdom person, and you're going to see kingdom results from that living. But it's hard, right? It's hard to do. It's hard to be poor in spirit and to mourn and to be merciful and to be pure in heart and, and, to, and to be persecuted and be happy about it. Those are hard things to do. And some of us in this room may be wondering, what would persecution look like for us? We know what it's like, you know, in, uh, in, in these other countries that I talked about, 245 million Christians living with high levels of persecution, with serious persecution in their lives. But for them, it's going to jail, getting their church burned down, uh, being murdered, things like that. And for us in the Portland area and, and most people who would listen to this that, you know, who watch online later or whatever, who live in the United States, they're probably not facing those things. Probably no one is coming to their house and taking them to jail because they're a Christian. Um, but there is still persecution. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But I want to I kind of um, just address what Jesus is saying when he talks about being persecuted. Uh, let, me, let me start by telling you what Jesus is not referring to, okay? What he's not referring to. Uh, there are two things that Jesus tells us in this passage that are, are what we will be persecuted for. First one is persecuted for righteousness' sake. Persecuted for righteousness' sake. That means that you're being persecuted because you are living a righteous kingdom of God life, and other people do not like that. And so they come at you and they persecute, whatever that may be. The second one is persecution for Jesus' sake. That is persecution because you are a follower of Jesus Christ and other people know it and they reject Jesus Christ and so they reject you. Those are the two kinds of persecution. But Jesus is not talking about all kinds of persecution. For instance, if you get together with your friends and you dress up like characters from the Marvel movies or from the Lord of the Rings or whatever, and you run around in the park and pretend like you're Gandalf or Spider-Man, which apparently some people do. It's called cosplay. It's a real thing. This really happens. There you go. I have a witness. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Amen. Cosplay. If you are doing that, you are not experiencing persecution for righteousness sake. You are experiencing persecution because you are a nerd. Okay? <laughs> that is why you are experiencing it. I'm not trying to offend you. I, am just, I have a commitment to the truth, and I'm just calling it like it is. I'm not saying it's nice that people would persecute, for, persecute you for that, but as a wise man, C.S. Lewis actually said this. He says, if you dress up like Spider-Man and run around in the park pretending to be a superhero, don't be surprised if people make fun of you a lot. Okay, full disclosure, C.S. Lewis did not say that. Because he lived at a time when people were like going to war and like, you know, doing things like that. They weren't running around in costumes. Um, even though he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, I don't think he would have approved of cosplay. And so he would have said this. So I'm just saying it for him. <laughs> that is not persecution. That's biblical. Okay? That's just, you brought that in yourself. All right. Some people think they are experiencing persecution all the time. They have a persecution complex. Do not have a persecution complex, okay? That is not a godly thing to have a persecution complex. Not everything is a persecution, okay? If you are persecuted at work, 
you might want to look into the fact that you show up late every day and don't work very hard, rather than assuming that everyone's persecuting you because of whatever, that you're a Christian or that you're, you know, whatever it may be, okay? If you are, for instance, an Oregon Duck fan, you brought that persecution on yourself. Make better choices, okay? Make better choices. <laughs> the bottom line is that some people see themselves as victims of persecution more often than they should. More often than they should, okay? And if that's you today, and you're like, yeah, I feel like I get persecuted all the time for everything, I've got some great news for you. You ready? Not everything is about you. Not everything is about you, okay? Always thinking everything, everyone is persecuting you is actually just a form of self-absorption and self-centeredness. That's what it is. Here's the thing that may set you free. You know what most people are usually thinking about? Themselves. Themselves. They're not particularly concerned with you because they are self-absorbed and self-centered. Okay? They don't have time to think about you. It is actually people's self-will, self-centeredness, self-absorption that causes the real kind of persecution that Christ is talking about here. Okay? The Pharisees who persecuted and put Jesus to death, it was their desire for themselves it was their desires to remain powerful and popular and in control that led to the persecution and murder of Jesus Christ. That's what it was. It was about their own selfishness. For those that would persecute you for righteousness' sake, it's their own desire to do evil and not to get called on it. It's their own desire to do evil and not have that evil revealed that causes people to persecute for righteousness' sake. When, you, when your friends all want to go do that thing, that you know you ought not to do, and you stand up in righteousness and say, I can't be a part of this. Can't be part of this, fellas. Can't be part of this, ladies. Can't do it. You might get some flack. You might get some persecution for that because they don't like the fact that you're bringing up and saying out loud that the thing that everybody wants to do is actually a bad thing that they ought not to do. They don't like that. That's where persecution for righteousness' sake comes about. It's really not about you. It's about them and what they want. Now, there's another way that that persecution comes, and that's, that's from a twisted worldview, a twisted view of morality. Paul the Apostle persecuted the church, chasing people from, from town to town, putting them in prison. He stood, and, and they put their coats at his feet so he could witness the martyrdom of the first martyr, Stephen, who was stoned to death. Paul was there approving of that. He was a persecutor of Christians because his worldview had gotten so out of whack that he thought that to be a righteous guy, and he was very concerned with being a righteous guy, meant that he had to persecute Christians. It wasn't until he had an experience with Jesus Christ that changed that for him. But his persecution was about actually thinking he was doing what was moral. And there are people who are like that now. Okay, I told you that the world and the culture is upside down according to Christ. It's upside down. That means that some of the morals, some of the things that people think are right, are going to be upside down. And if you come to them with a right-side-up view, you will face persecution. Right now, uh, one of the things that's going on that, that I think uh, believers uh, are, are should and are standing against is that uh, you know, young children, as young as like four years old, who say, I want to be a boy or I want to be a girl, when they're, a, when they're the opposite of that, are being given powerful hormone drugs. As young as like four years old. At that age, given powerful hormone drugs to, to make them more like the other gender, to stop puberty from happening and so on. Ma massive, massive uh, medical decisions being made for very small children. Now, if you come and say, I'm not sure that's a good idea, I'm not sure that's loving a child well, guess what? You're going to be persecuted. 
they're going to call you a bigot. They're going to say that you're, that you're unloving, that you're unhelpful, that you don't, that you don't love these children, that you don't. And the, and the truth is they're wrong and you're right. But you will experience persecution. If you have a, a view, a biblical view of sexuality, let's say that we think that the Bible is, is, the, is the model, is telling us what we ought to do with our sex lives, and, and that God's creation and what he's shown us, it shows us how we ought to be moral, how we ought to operate within the world of sexuality and so on, you're going to be persecuted if you believe those things. If you believe that, that what you ought to do with your money and that what people ought to do with their money is make sure that they are generously giving to the poor and to the oppressed and to the work of the kingdom of God, you're going to be persecuted. That's not what people want to spend their money on. You'll be persecuted. If you believe that there is a right, and that right is right, and there's a wrong, and that wrong is wrong, regardless of what anybody feels about it, or what anybody else thinks, that those things are just true, that they flow from the nature of God, you will be persecuted. You will be persecuted. If you will not affirm everyone's my truth, right? Your truth. Live your truth. If you won't do that, you're going to experience some persecution. You'll be persecuted for righteousness' sake. That's what will happen. But there's more. But wait, there's more. If you believe that the Bible is true, if you believe it's accurate, if you believe it's the word of God, that the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of Scripture, that they've written these things down, that it's come to us substantially in the form that they wrote it, and that, that, that what's in here is true and is our guide for how we ought to live, it is, it is a way that we communicate with God and know him, is through his word. If you believe that, you're going to be persecuted. You just are. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, as he said he is, and if you believe that no one comes to the Father but by Jesus Christ, which he said, you will be persecuted. It's going to happen. So, welcome to church. Congratulations. You're going to get some persecution. Now, let me be really clear about something. I hope that you're listening very closely. If you say these things about what you believe in Jesus or you say these things about what you believe about morality, in, a, in any way that is hypocritical, arrogant, harsh, unloving, uncaring, unmerciful, or self-important, then the persecution that you'll experience will not be your persecution for righteousness, but you'll be being persecuted because you're a jerk. Okay, That's got nothing to do with Jesus. That's got nothing to do with him. And it shows that you don't understand the gospel. And it shows that you don't understand who you are and how much you need Jesus Christ. We speak the truth, but we speak it in love. We don't speak it in a condemning way. We speak it in mercy. We speak it in love. We live out love and we express ourselves in mercy. But at the same time, we do not compromise the truth. Even if persecution is going to come. No one that hears this message, whether it's online or it's today, here should be feeling condemned by anything I'm saying. If you disagree with me about something, I would love to have a respectful, loving conversation with you where we talk about it. I love talking about Jesus. I love talking about the Bible. I love talking about what's right. But you shouldn't feel condemned. That is not our job as believers, to make people feel condemned and feel horrible about themselves. And if that's the way that you express yourself and you're saying you're experiencing some persecution, that persecution may be more about your attitude than about your words. So be careful with that. But regardless of whether you agree with me or not, Make no mistake, I believe the Bible is true. I believe that it's true. I believe it's the word of God. I believe Jesus Christ died for our sin and that the only way, the only way to be reconciled to God 
is through Jesus Christ, period. That's what I believe. And I know that although the evidence is convincing, and I have spent some time, I may not be the smartest person in the world, but I've spent some real time thinking through these issues and the evidence is convincing, and my experience of Jesus Christ and my relationship with him is convincing, even though that I know some people will, based on that profession of my faith, insult my motives, insult my intelligence, insult whatever, as a result of me saying that I believe in Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus says, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Now, I said persecution is not just being killed, being sent to prison, right, having your church burned down. It is also, there's this word revile here, and it's an interesting word. We probably don't use that a lot. Um, the word revile, but there, I, I went to Microsoft Word and I, and I just used the synonyms thing. These are the synonyms, the words that basically mean the same thing as revile that came up. Insult, abuse, scorn, condemn, censure, despise, berate, or disparage. That means persecution is not just being imprisoned or killed. It means that sometimes people just won't like you. Sometimes people will insult you Sometimes people will reject you, not invite you to their parties, not hire you. If you're a believer who expresses belief in Scripture as the Word of God, if you're a believer who's serious about that and you try to get a job as a college professor at a major, at a major university or a state school, good luck. Or try to get tenure at that school, good luck. Those days are passing away when, when Christ followers who are serious about their faith can get hired at those, in those kinds of jobs. And more and more of that will continue to happen, okay? People may not hire you. People may make false accusations against you. People may sue you. All of this is persecution. And it is the kind of persecution that you will increasingly face. And there are two kinds of reactions for for Christ followers to persecution that I've seen. There may be more, but there's two that I'm going to talk about. One is the reaction of the fully devoted follower of Christ. And one is the reaction of the tamed Christian. The tamed Christian. One of the things that tamed Christians do is that they avoid persecution by compromising the truth, compromising what Scripture says, compromising what their faith in Christ means. And one of the things that fully devoted followers of Christ do is they stand strong under persecution in the power of the Holy Spirit, and they continue to speak the truth in love. The kingdom is right side up kingdom of God. The world and the culture are upside down. If you are fitting in really well with all the people in the culture, you are not living right side up. That's just a fact. It's the way it is. There's a really easy way to know whether you are a fully devoted follower of Christ or living like a fully devoted follower of Christ or whether you're living like a tamed Christian. Ready? You're going to ask yourself this question or these questions. How well do I fit in with the world? How well do I fit in with the world? How well do I fit in with the culture? How well do I fit in with those who do not follow Christ? Do I fit in well with them? If so, you might be a tamed Christian. Do you notice in this passage of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he he actually goes from talking about those, blessed are those who are, to talking about you, I don't know if you noticed that, but let's let's go to verse 11 again. It says, blessed are you, right? And there's two words that are super important. And we're going to see them over and over in the Sermon on the Mount. 
And, and every time we see them, they, they've got to trigger something for you. But I'm going to read this to see if we can pick them out. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. The two words are you when. You when. Okay? Blessed are you when they persecute you. Not blessed are you if they persecute you. So he's gone from just talking about those who do this and those who are doing that to going, I'm, coming, I'm talking to my disciples right now. I'm talking to you, and I'm telling you, this is what is going to happen. When they persecute, not if they happen to persecute you, then you're blessed. When they persecute you. John 15, 18 through 20 says this. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. 2 Timothy 3.10-13, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Now listen very carefully to this sentence. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So not only will Christ's followers definitely suffer persecution, but as a bonus, evil men and imposters will go worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. Now, Paul, this was a long time ago for Paul, and, and now we see that the Christians were a relatively small group back then. They were growing and growing. Now they've grown quite large, and we have persecution for at least serious persecution for 245 million believers. But this says that every believer, every fully devoted follower of Christ will suffer persecution. And it's going to get worse, and it's going to get worse until he returns. And we hope he comes quickly. Charles Spurgeon, a very famous pastor from England in the 1800s, I think he was called the Prince of Preachers, he said this, Christian, expect trouble. Make it a wonder if you get through a day easily. If you remain a week without persecution, think it a remarkable thing. And if you should, perchance, live a month without heaving a sigh from your inmost heart, think it a miracle of miracles. If you fit in the world, you are not living the, light, the righteous life of a disciple and follower of Jesus Christ. I know that for so many of us, that is difficult because the idea of trying to fit in, trying to avoid rejection, trying to avoid persecution, and wanting to be liked is so important to so many of us. And do you know why it is? Because we're not sociopaths. Everybody wants to be liked. You should. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to want to be liked, to want to be in good relationships. Those are normal and good things. That's why persecution is persecution and not fun. All right? That's why there is reward for persecution. If being rejected and persecuted was fun, I don't think there'd be a reward for it. Nowhere in here does it say, blessed are those who eat a lot of ice cream. Right? Great is their reward. Because ice cream is its own reward. Am I right? For those of you who are lactose intolerant, we can pray for you after this. 
you can repent of whatever has caused that in your life. Oh, no, I'm kidding. But ice cream is good. We don't need a reward for ice cream. It's already fun. Persecution is not. Because we do want to fit in. We do want to have good relations. We do want people to like us. We want to like other people. We want to have that going on. And what, what Christ is saying here is, unfortunately, if you're going to be a Christ follower, not everybody's going to like you. You're not always going to fit in. But your reward is great for suffering that. Now, most of us, we would stand up for our mother or our father or our spouse or children sisters or brothers or friends, right? We would stand up for them, even if it meant standing under persecution. We would stand up for those people. How much more so should we be standing strong for our loving creator, our God who gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life? How much more should we stand for Christ who has shown us his love more than anyone has ever shown love? in dying for us when he was perfect for our sins. We've got to be able to face it. There's a comedian named Jim Gaffigan. Um, some of you have probably watched his stuff on Netflix or whatever. I have seen him live. Uh, us and the Vanderplugs went a couple years ago, I think, and saw him. It was funny. He's a funny guy. Um, he had a show, a sitcom. It was called The Jim Gaffigan Show. And one of the episodes, through several hijinks and whatever, the, he ends up taking this Bible, this big Bible um, that was for his wife. He picked it up at the church for his wife, uh, the, you know, the Catholic church or whatever, and he had it for his wife, and, and he ended up going to uh, his comedy, a comedy club to do his routine. And he comes out, and he's got this Bible with him, and somebody takes a picture of him with the Bible, and it, gets, it goes on the Huffington Post or whatever, Jim Gaffigan, religious comedian. And he spends the whole episode worrying worrying that because people now know he's a Christian, that people will think he's dumb, or that they will think he's a bigot. And the episode is funny, and it's only funny because we know that that's true. We know that there are lots of people who will reject us or think less of us because we follow Christ. We know that. Plenty of people. But we cannot become tamed Christians. We know that real Christ following will get us persecuted, but we can't let that make us become tamed Christians. Cannot happen. Cannot happen. If we become tame Christians, we are, we are going to end up compromising the truth because of fear. Fear of persecution. And we will trade our temporary comfort, not having to deal with persecution, for someone else's eternal hope. And that's not okay. Because here's the deal. Every person that you know, every single person you have ever met, everyone you know, their only hope is Jesus Christ. You compromise the gospel, you compromise the scripture, you compromise truth. I don't know what to tell you, but I can tell you this. It is not leading that person towards Jesus Christ. And he's their only hope. He's their only hope. You guys know that you have a smell. I didn't want to say anything, but some of you are like, oh, I was going to shower after church, but I guess I should have done so before. This is a great message for visitors, by the way. We've never been here before. You're going to be persecuted, be happy about it, and you smell bad. All right. You have a smell. You have a smell. Um, listen to what 2 Corinthians 2, 15 through 16 says. The Holy Spirit reveals this to us. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death. 
those are those who are perishing, and to the other, those who are saved, the aroma of life leading to life, and who is sufficient for these things. A fully devoted Christ follower has a smell. She smells like Jesus. He smells like Jesus. It smells like life to those who love Jesus, and it smells like death to those who reject Jesus. That's what it is. Now, is that true for you? How is it for you? Do you have the reaction that for some people, they think that you smell like death? I'm not talking to you teenage boys who don't you know, have the grooming. If you guys ever went, like a youth group, they'll go out, and they, we were in that house over there, and the boys would go out, and they'd play these youth games, right? And then they would have their little small group meeting with just the boys, and they'd pick like this one room, and they'd all go in there. I've walked in that room <laughs> during that meeting, and it's not because I was on my way to death that I thought they smelled like death. They just smelled like death. It smelled terrible. I, we, you know, we, we left that house to come over here, and I, I hope they've done something. I don't know how they're going to get that smell. But, but when you're around people, when you're around your friends, when you're around your family, is there tension? Those that don't follow Christ, those that reject Christ, is there a tension? Are you, as a follower of Christ, as his disciple, is there a tension from, from you being there? Not because you're being a jerk, not because you're being difficult, but just because you smell like Jesus. When you, when you run into other believers, is there a happiness, is there a joy that comes because you smell like life to them? Or do you do what some people do? Because what some people do is they try to shower off the Jesus fragrance when they go to work. Or they try to shower off the Jesus fragrance when they go to hang out with their friends. If you do that, you are not living the life of a fully devoted Christ follower. You're just not. Other people kind of do the opposite thing. They try to spray on the Jesus cologne when they come to church. Oh, we're going to church. All the way here. And then they get out of the car and they're like, hey, Jesus cologne. But it ain't there at any other time. They put it on when they go see grandma or their mom. Right? In both cases, you're just a hypocrite. Just a hypocrite. And you're not fooling anyone. And let me just tell you, because I know, because I've been a hypocrite. I know what it's like to shower off Jesus or throw the Jesus cologne on, depending on the situation. I don't ever want to be a hypocrite like that again. What a waste. What a waste. But here's the fact. If no one thinks you smell like life or death, you don't smell like Jesus. You're not the fragrance of Jesus if no one's reacting. So you've got to ask yourself, do you smell like Jesus? Do I smell like Jesus? The truth is that a life of compromise and hypocrisy is a waste. It's a waste of the adventure that God has set out for you. Be all in or be all out. Fully devoted. The tame Christian, the lukewarm, no good. No bueno. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And we're saved into real life. Real life. The life of a fully devoted Christ follower will have persecution, but it also has real love. I know we all, not all, mostly the ladies, like to watch, you know, The Notebook or whatever movie, right? And there's some love story, and so oh, the rain, and they uh, running to each other in slow motion, the kissing and whatever, and we're like, oh, that's, that's the real thing. That's the real thing. 
Now, there's a reason why your heart leaps at that, okay? Because you really do desire real love. But let me tell you where you won't find it. You won't find it in the world. You won't find it. Those movies are fake. There's cameras there. Those people don't love each other. It's like a table over on the side with sandwiches. There's a director like, God, right? Turn the rain machine off. It's not real. You want it to be real for you? You've got to live in Christ because that's where real love is. Whether it's the romantic love you have with your spouse or the love you have with your friends, but most importantly, the love you have with Jesus Christ that's real and powerful. Real hope, real peace, real excitement, real adventure, real life. That's what the Christ follower has. And yes, there's some persecution, but it's well worth it. Now, if you don't know Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're not confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you have not chosen to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, let, let me tell you something. For thousands of years, 2,000 years now, there have been many, many billions of fully devoted followers of Christ, people who love Jesus Christ. Well, we don't know how many, but a lot. And many, many of them, including 4,000-something last year, have found such an amazing and full and hopeful and awesome life in Jesus Christ that they did not count their own physical life too much to give up. They did not count their own physical life too much to give up for the joy of knowing and walking with Jesus. That's how powerful life in Christ is. That the persecution at the end of the day, it may hurt, but it's nothing in comparison to knowing and loving and being in love with Jesus Christ. Nothing in comparison. And for every one of those people, and for every believer in Jesus Christ, all things will work together for good. If we have an eternal view, we need to have an eternal view about that because all things will work together for good. Persecution is nothing compared to knowing Jesus Christ and finding life in him. Yeah, yes, you will suffer persecution. I want you to know that because that's what scripture tells us. But also, and maybe much more so, you will find joy and peace and faith and love in Jesus. I love Jesus because he loved me first. And I was rotten, but for him, but for his grace. And I have seen Jesus be faithful to me and my family for many, many years. I'm not saying everything's gone well. I can tell you right now it hasn't. You can see how old I look. I'm only 25. All right, I may be a little older than that. It hasn't always been good, but I can tell you this, God has been faithful to me. I'm not just talking about like financial or comfort or something like that. I'm just talking about at the level of spirit, at the level of life, he has been faithful to me, helping me to believe the long-term, the eternal. Now, here's the thing. Jesus Christ loves you too. Just like he loves me, he loves you too so much that he gave up his own life for you. He was murdered on a cross when he was perfect. He was God. He is God. He's murdered on a cross that you might have life in him. And then he rose from the dead, defeating death and hell and sin and proving through his resurrection from the dead that he's God and that he is powerful enough to save you. You can trust the one who rose from the dead. No matter what you have done, no matter what your story is, and you've come in here today or you listen online, or whatever. No matter where you come from, no matter what you've done, no matter how, how dark you think it is, Jesus Christ can save you. 
And being saved by Jesus Christ makes any persecution look like a small thing. Most of us, when we first found Christ, we would have said, I go to the ends of the earth. I take whatever persecution came because I'm so joyful to have Christ. Let's make sure that we don't, over time, lose that and become tamed Christians who would compromise the one who we love, the one who loves us for comfort, who would compromise it so we can make sure that everybody likes us, so that we don't have to deal with rejection. No. Stand strong under persecution in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do this ourselves. It's the power of the Holy Spirit, but stand strong under the power of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know Jesus, come to know him. Today's the day for you. Don't wait. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised five seconds from now. Don't wait. You got one life to live in the most important decision, the decision of your life. Do you accept Jesus or do you reject him? It's the only thing that's going to be on the table when your eyes close the last time. That's it. Now, I want you to listen to how the apostles who witnessed Jesus Christ rise from the dead, who, who walked around with them, I want you to listen to how they handled persecution. It's Acts 5. We should study the book of Acts. That'd be... Some of you know we're in Acts for like three years. Um, Acts chapter 5, uh, verse 40b through 42. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. That needs to be us. That needs to be us no matter what comes. One thing that, that should give you comfort is to know that we love you. Now, out in the world, you're going to face some persecution, but in this body of Acts Church, we love you. We protect you. The leaders of the elders of this church are a shield wall. We want to protect you. We want to love you. You, 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 should, you ought not to be facing persecution within these walls. And I don't mean these specific walls. I mean the walls of, these, of this church, this shield wall. But out there, you will face some. You will. But those who have faced it and faced really serious persecution in the past have literally rejoiced because they're just so happy to know Jesus. Let's be those people. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you would be with us, that you would give us peace as we deal with persecution, as you've told us that we will. You've told us that Christ followers will suffer. Christ followers will deal with persecution. And we know that we can deal with anything. That we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we just pray that you would give us strength. Lord, if, if there's somebody here today or listening to this who doesn't know you, God, I just pray you would draw them to yourself. There's nothing I can say or anyone else can say. It's your Holy Spirit that draws. And I pray that if anyone is feeling that drawing, Lord, that you would, that you would just, just draw them to you, that they might have life in you, that they might know what I'm talking about when I say it's worth anything that comes to know you. Jesus, you are so good to us. I pray that those who are dealing with persecution, that maybe have family members or friends who are giving them a hard time or who have faced rejection or who have lost a job or a friend or a family member because of persecution, Lord, I pray that you would be with them. Give them strength. 
God, I pray that you would be with us this week. I pray that you would be with us as we walk through the world, likely facing some difficulties. Lord, that we might rejoice because great is our reward in heaven. In your name, amen. Well, thanks for listening to that Acts Church sermon. We hope you got a lot out of it. If you did, we'd love it if you would comment or uh, give us a review or give the track a like. Uh, It really means a lot to us to hear back from people who have um, heard these sermons and have been impacted by it. So share your story with us. Share what is happening in your life um, that this is speaking into. And remember, you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast so that you can get all of our releases as soon as they come out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with more next week.